Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Word Foolery Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. Oh, we love this time of the month. Author Grace Tierney brings us the fascinating and often hilarious origin stories behind words we use a lot and weird sounding words we should use more often, like parasology. You know what I mean? I'm going to need to put that in my vocabulary. Grace is on the line. How are you getting on, Grace? I'm very well. It's good to talk to you. Great to have you. Now, just before we, we will reveal our mystery word at the end, but we're asking people, as usual, to guess the meaning. So here's some for you on 086 658 So our word is parasology. And uh, this is coming in from, who's this coming from? Ashling. She says, parasology. When Karen, you know, in adverted commas, spent two days in France about six months ago and she mentions it in every conversation but without the S so you know when I was in Paris oh this skirt I got it in Paris this wouldn't happen in Paris (laughs) Uh, John Vinani says is Parasology a break off group from the Scientology crowd oh I like that one John that's a great one Uh, also Paul Shields and Delique says Parasology is people who talk crap about their trip to Paris kind of on the same uh, vein as Ashling Parasology the study of Paris Hilton Empire says David Toomey in Drogheda uh, also Rose had is it you know Paris uh, Hilton's um, psychologist love that uh, is it the study of parasites says another person uh, also someone who specialises in plaster Paris applications <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. and talk. I love that okay. uh, I love now this is great a person who has unnerving knowledge of parasols says Gronje oh I love that <laughs> unnerving Absolutely. as well yeah. I love the unnerving added in there brilliant uh, I think the word is something to do with the use of other words I'm not certain but I think that's what it is says Tina who's chopping in Navin uh, is it the obsession of can <laughs> is it an obsession with can can girls says Ned <laughs> <laughs> Parasology. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Love that. Uh, Anne in At The Boy says, is it a French apology? Oh, interesting. A parasology. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Do the French ever apologise? No, I they think don't. they did that. No, they don't. <laughs> well, we're going to go back to that one. But uh, loving your suggestions. Do keep those coming in on 086 658 Now, I think the word gargantuan is brilliant but you got to say it with a bit of feeling you know it was gargantuan in size I think you need to, you can't just say gargantuan normally so if you write it down it has to be in kind of font size oh, yeah. 20 yeah. yeah 
Okay, yeah, well, that sort of makes sense, actually. Uh, you're you're going to realize you're totally on the nose with that. Um, so obviously, gargantuan means large, as in a gargantuan task, which is used almost to cliche point. But it's actually thanks to a giant and an anti-clerical giant mm. at that, which I will explain as I get into it. So gargantuan is the adjective form of a giant character called gargantua. So it was, it's actually an eponym. It's, it's a person, albeit a fictional one. Well, we hope he's fictional. Um, and it's drawn from a Spanish or Portuguese word for the throat garganta. So it's all to do with throat and swallowing, which mm. does make sense when we get into it. So Gargantua was created in 1534. So it's been around for a while by the French author, physician and priest, Francois Rebelius. I, I think that's how you say his surname. Um, so his books were written for an educated court audience and they were satires, which drew on legends from all around the world, including some Celtic myths, which may be part of the source. Romances, classical works, he basically took them and turned them into a satire. Um, wasn't always popular in court, ended up accused of heresy and obscenity for some of his writings. So although he was a priest, he was a bit of a radical um, and his Gargantua was a giant, but he's best known as being a voraciously hungry giant. So perhaps Gargantuan should actually refer to a giant appetite mm -hmm. rather than a large or difficult task. Either way, the use of Gargantuan as a word for enormous dates back to the late 1500s in English. And it was even used by Shakespeare in As You Like It in 1598. So it's been with us for quite some time. Um, in the original story, Gargantua swallows five Christian pilgrims oh. and their wooden walking sticks wow. in a salad. I don't know why, but I just really like the idea of giants eating salad. I, just, I can really see it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, presumably... Uh, the author was a priest, so he would have known if giants liked to eat pilgrims. But yeah, that's what giants eat. Apparently. Wow. OK, I'm loving that. I'm loving the word gargantuan now even more. Now, this is a great one, your next one. And I, w I saw the brilliant Fred Cook, the comedian Fred Cook, handle this particular person in the most excellent way. So heckler, kind of an annoying person who shouts at a comedian is what I'm going to say. Yes, and you're on track. There is one other use of it, though, which is at political performances as well. Oh, so yeah, it can of course. Stand-up comedy and politicians get heckled as well. And we could say that they deserve it, but, you know, don't quote me on that. And obviously it can be an angry heckle or it can be a witty heckle. I mean, the best really is if you have a very skillful speaker and then they heckle back the heckler and it can really add to a gig. Oh, that's but, what I'm, I mean with Fred Cook. People should check it out, by the way, on his Instagram. It's fantastic what he, what he did with this particular woman. Fantastic. Okay, I'm going to have a look for that. Um, anyway, Fred Cook is continuing a noble uh, enterprise. But to my surprise, I discovered that the first hecklers were actually women. Uh, and I really like this one. I have a feeling you might like it too, Shane. Okay. So brace yourself, men folk. The hecklers are coming. <laughs> um, so the very first use of heckle in English dates to the 1300s. So it does go quite a long way back. Uh, but at that point, it had nothing to do with talking. It was a flax comb for combing flax. Ooh. And it had roots in Dutch and German words and links to root words about hooks and teeth, which does make sense with combs. So flax, in case anybody's wondering, is a plant which is also known as linseed, which I didn't know. Um, and it's grown for food and fibres. And the flax fibres give us linen, yarn and fabric. And just like other yarns, just like wool, wool has to be combed out. Flax fibres have to be combed out before spinning. And hence you had a heckle comb to do that job. 
Shortly after the arrival of the comb, we're starting to use heckle as a verb, meaning to comb with a heckle comb, which all makes sense. And then by the mid 1400s, we had a heckler as a noun for somebody who uses a heckle. So this was work that was done by men and women combing out the flax. That's all absolutely grand for hundreds of years. Then around the 1800s, the Scottish town of Dundee uh, was very known for the flax trade and the mills and loads of people worked in the town in that trade, predominantly women. And the hecklers there began to dictate wages and working conditions through their strength of number and plenty of shouting at political meetings during the 1800s. And when others in the industry followed their example to try and get decent working conditions, the heckling shop where they did the heckling became known as a centre for activism and the term moved from there into the world of politics and later into the world of stand-up. And you can still visit some of the flax mills are now uh, historical museums in Dundee and their museum site actually adds a little snippet onto the end of this story, which I loved because they explained that most of the Dundee hecklers of the time were female and that they later led the charge for Scottish uh, suffragette movement for trying to get votes for women. So the first political hecklers were actually working class Dundee women who were shouting for employment rights and voting rights. I love it. No doubt Fred Cook, if he was listening, would work something like that into the comedy routine very, very well. I'm loving that. So definitely he might, maybe he might think, you know, a bit differently now if he gets heckled again. He'll know the history behind it. Now, I do love a trip down memory lane and we've been having trips down memory lane this this morning on the show. So nostalgia is very appropriate here. Well, it is and it isn't because this is one of those words that changes its meaning over its history. Yeah, I know. I actually really love these. At some point, I'm going to have to do a book that's all about the ones that don't mean what you think they mean. Because I just find it fascinating. You should. You should. Definitely. (laughs) Give me time. Too many books. Not enough hours in the day. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so nostalgia is a very popular word. It turns up on lists of people's favourite words. I think it just looks kind of beautiful on the page. And it's an interesting concept of thinking about lost times and and, uh, past occasions. Um, So it's history, though, brings us all over the world. So we're going to go from Greece to Switzerland and then on to the USA. We'll start with the Greeks. We often do with this. So we've got nostos is the Greek term for return home. So with a tale like the Odyssey, which was a story about returning home as a key Greek text, it's not actually surprising that they have a special word for a homeward journey as opposed to an outward journey. And that's nostos. So you join that with algos. And this is the second half of the word. It's the Greek word for pain. So you'll also find that in neuralgia, for example, which is nerve pain. So nostalgia is the pain of homesickness and of wanting to return home. So it's actually not particularly about the past, not when it starts anyway. So doesn't nostalgia refer to a wistful longing for times past? Well, it doesn't at this point, or it didn't until the 1920s when its use in French novels helped to gain a more modern meaning. It wasn't even a word in ancient Greek, so it's formed from ancient Greek, but it dates to the 1600s to 1668 to be precise, when it was coined by a Swiss scholar called Johannes Hoffer, and he wanted to explain extreme homesickness as a disease. Right. Mm. So this was actually a disease. And not only that, but it was a killer disease. Right. It was particularly noted in relation to Swiss soldiers when they were serving overseas. I know they're neutral, but they do have an army um, and it could often prove to be fatal. And the playing of bagpipes was recorded as triggering it in Scottish troops. So it wasn't confined to the Swiss army. 
During the American Civil War, nostalgia was a huge issue for Northern troops who recorded 2,588 cases in the first two years of the conflict. And 13 of those were actually fatal. Wow. So I shouldn't be laughing. People were obviously very distressed. Yeah. But this was diagnosed as nostalgia. Mercifully now, nostalgia is more of a wistful longing for the past. But if you do come across a Swiss person who is very homesick, please send them home. Yes. To send them home, absolutely. Wow, God, that's unbelievable that people actually died from this. Incredible how the word has changed as well. Now, another one that I love using, and I'm so delighted you've put this in here, because so often you do this when you send us mystery words that we don't know the meaning to. Bamboozle. What a great word. I th- maybe the next time I list my hobbies, I should say bamboozling the listeners of LMFM. Because it is a hobby at this stage. <laughs> I love bamboozle, I must say. I think it's such a fun word to say and it looks fun on the page and everything. It does. Now, I confess this one doesn't have a known origin. However, I had a lot of fun trying trying to track it down. So I think we're going to go for a little bamboozling ramble around the world of words and see if we can get close to it. Okay. So... To bamboozle somebody is to baffle, fool or bewilder them. And there are lots of other terms for it, but I think bamboozling is the best. Um, It entered the English language in the early 1700s and it was originally slang and not everybody liked it. Uh, Officially, its origins are listed as unknown, but we'll give it a go. So Scottish origins are suggested thanks to the word bombays, which means to confound or perplex. And that's pretty close. So, uh, you know, I would possibly put my money on the Scottish one. French also has embambounier um, to make a fool or a baboon of somebody. Okay. I quite like. It's a good word anyway. Even yeah. I can't pronounce it properly. <laughs> Italian has bambolo, a baby, which some will extend to the idea of an old foolish person behaving in a, ba- a babyish way. But mm. personally, I think that's a stretch. Apparently, Dean Jonathan Swift of Anglo-Irish literature fame and Gulliver's Travels and all that, he disliked the word intensely as being low language, which I suppose was slang, just wasn't good enough. And he hoped it would pass from use so he wouldn't be at all happy that we still use it today (laughs) and love it. Um, Some dictionaries assume that because it relates to deception, that it must have a criminal source because there was a lot of criminal slang at various different centuries. So maybe, but there wasn't a lot of supporting evidence for that. And others link it to bombazine fabric, which was often dyed black and used by widows in their morning dresses. But that's probably really just because it's spelt in a similar way. Again, not much proof. Um, However, in the 1800s, the words bamboozle became a slang term for being drunk when used on a college campus. So if you're a tipsy student, you can be bamboozled, which I quite like. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Um, And then in the late 1800s, in 1876, uh, bamboozle was a board game created by Milton Bradley. You know, they still make board games. Yeah. I didn't know they went back that far. And it had the first ever folding uh, game board. So that was the very first one was bamboozle, which is kind of fun. Um, Bamboozle also gave us a few variant words, which sadly have not lasted, but I would campaign for them to come back. Go for it. You could be a bamboozler. Yeah. You could be plagued with bamboozlement. I think it's quite good. And uh, in 1919, if you disabused somebody of their confusion, so if you deconfuse them, you were de-bamboozling them. (laughs) Well, listen, you better de-bamboozle us here now in a second because Parasology definitely has us bamboozled today on the show. You better tell them what does... Oh, hang on, actually, before you tell them, I do have another great one for you here. Is it when Terry Henry handballed... 
Paul. Into the Irish net, that was a load of parasology. <laughs> parasology. I don't Brilliant. even know if Thierry was from Paris. Maybe he is. I don't Maybe know he is. Parasology, yeah. And the, mm. I did like all the dropping. Like, oh, I was in Paris last week. Yes. I, I confess I have done that because it's just exciting when you get to Paris. So you have to tell people. Um, yeah, and I I did this one because it sounded like other things. <laughs> so it's got nothing to do with Paris. I'm so sorry. I actually thought it would be parasites as well. So I'm with one of your listeners on that. But it's not to do with parasites either. Um, parasology is the use of ambiguous words. Oh, well, now listen. I mean, talk about being ambiguous about the description <laughs> about them being ambiguous. Yes, I, I confess I do partake of a little parasology now and then, particularly for the mystery words. But like, it wouldn't be fun if it wasn't confusing. Um, it has Greek roots. It comes from parasos, which means evenly balanced, and logi, which is a way of speaking. Wow. So a, a balanced way of speaking. So basically, you're kind of... Oh, on one hand and then on the other hand. So you're, you're being ambiguous and balanced in what you're saying, but you're not really saying anything. So parasology. <laughs> I love it. Parasology. I'm definitely, how am I going to have to think of a way now to work that into a sentence? Grace, as always, thank you so, so much for all of that insightful, interesting discussion around words. We'll chat to you again next month. You're very welcome. I'll come back and try and bamboozle you again. <laughs> Thanks a million. Grace Tierney there. Uh, you can find out more about Grace and all of her books and writing and everything. Wordfoolery.wordpress.com uh, Do <laughs> We'll put everybody's name into the draw for those, those two books. Give yourself a round of applause for some of those amazing descriptions that you had there for Parasology. Absolutely brilliant. We will pick a winner very, very shortly. The 11 to 1 Show. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.